The Money Show. Small business. With Pablo Fatidis. Pablo Fatidis is the founder and the boss. Well, the face. Because Karina's really the boss um, of Auric Business Accelerator. Uh, how? Oh, this is such a goodie. This is such a goodie, Pablo, because we have an industry in South Africa of fabrication of CVs. How on earth do we interpret the twaddle that so often comes across our desks as people seek to impress in 18 pages of war and peace about their two-year career so far? (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, I'm laughing about Corinne being the boss. Oh, of course. And your joke, of course. (laughs) So, so Bruce, you know what? I I have figured this out. And I figured it out because I've had to. I figured it out because as we speak, uh, we are, are very actively employing people in um, very large quantities. And I figured it out because I was prey to it. And the way that I figured this out is through the most remarkable man, one of the most remarkable men I've met in my life. And it was many years ago when as a student at Wits University, I was studying building science, which is a combination of mechanical engineering and architecture. And this was a brand new course, or more or less in those years. And the proud developer of this course is the irreverent, indomitable Ronnie Schloss. He was the dean of the faculty, and he had spent some time speaking to industry in order to understand what the university needed to produce in terms of qualifications and students that would be useful to support the engineering, construction, and architectural sector. And he designed this course, and he was very, very proud of this course. In any event, I landed up being one of the students on his course, and there were about 93 or 94 people in the class at the time, the very first year, and we we worked hard and we studied furiously and we did whatever we had to do. And I'll never forget that at the end of the year, he called everybody into the class, and he turned around and he said, look, Out of all of you, some of you will go to the second year and some of you won't. Should I read out who is staying for the second year and who needs to go and find another option or other career? And we said, well, how many people are staying? And he said, about 39, which meant that 40 odd would be gone, 50 odd would be gone. In fact, 60 odd would be gone. That's a big number. So should I read out who's staying or should I read out who's going? And I put up my hand and I said, Prof, just please read out who's staying. You know, do do we have to sit through 60 names otherwise? And he said, okay, that's easy enough. And he read out the 39 names. And thankfully, my name was included. Then he said, right. Now, you have a two-month vacation or whatever the vacation was at the end of the year. And he said, 38 of you will be going on vacation, and one of you won't. Should I read out the name of the 38 going or the one who won't? 
And I put up my hand and I said, Prof, just who is the person staying? And he said, well, that's easy enough. The rest of you can go. Pavlo, you will be staying. <laughs> and I was furious. Furious. And I walked up to him. I strutted up to him and I said, is it my marks? He said, no, your marks are good. Is it, what is it? Is it, is it my approach? Is it, he said, it's you. I said, what do you mean it's me? And he said, listen, I have designed this course to suit and fit corporate life. And my name stands by this course. And what we have learned in this last year is going to gear you up for a life in corporate. And he says, your personality, I don't think fits in corporate. So the likelihood of you starting a business is high. And I am not going to have my legacy dragged into the mud by someone like you starting a business <laughs> and applying theory to practice. And I listened to this man, Bruce, and I was devastated. And I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, you will come and work on my building sites for the next two months. <laughs> and he made me dig trenches. He made me mix concrete. He made me pour it. He made me lay bricks. And all the while, Bruce, he was saying to me, unless you mix concrete, unless you lay bricks, unless you chase wires and piping, unless you put up a roof, how can you possibly ever employ someone to do it in the business that you one day might build? And that never left me. And in that lies the answer on how to interpret a CV. My goodness gracious me, that was the longest uh, run-up to a uh, topic that we, I think we've ever had. <laughs> it was a good story. A good story. Uh, this story and the small business focus is brought to you by Productivity South Africa, providing solutions for businesses in distress. Okay, so how does that wonderful tale now turn into the great lesson of how to interpret a CV? Well, I mean, as you rightly say, if you want to build a business beyond yourself, you need to employ people. But securing people and getting the right people on board is really hard. If you get it wrong, it's going to cost you a lot of money, a lot of aggravation, and Bruce, importantly, a lot of defocus. You land up dealing with all sorts of issues which are just terrible. And every time we get a resume, you read all these bullet points, you read under the area called skills, you read under the area called achievements, and you would think that this person in front of you can single-handedly build the base station on Mars. It is impossible to interpret. And in my view, it can only ever be done practically. So it all starts with understanding why you're employing someone. What is the job you need to get done? And where I think we start falling down on this is that we often look to employ someone in an area that's either not in our strength and we simply want someone else to do the job. So we don't think about what that job description and the activities that make up that job look like sufficiently would be. Or we do so when we're under a lot of pressure. And the problem with all of that is that when you read a CV and when you meet someone and you really need help, what we all do as human beings, and Carl Gustav Jung spoke about this extensively, is we project 
our finest qualities onto that individual in front of us. We activate a cognitive bias where we start looking to affirm that what he or she said could get the job done. What's written in that CV could be remarkably interpreted into being useful in getting the job done. And it fails consistently and it fails reliably. The starting point behind all of this is to understand what the function of that person would be. So a business, all businesses, are really built around functions. You've got the marketing function to get new clients on board. You've got the sales function to turn them into customers. Uh, Operations would be delivering the service or the product. You've got human resources to manage your team. You've got money functions to manage the money. You've got buying functions to manage procurement. And all of those functions become part of one single system that make a business work. If you think of it in terms of your body, you've got all these organs, your lungs, kidneys, liver, spleen, heart. They all have to work together for the body to function properly so that you can move about, live, run, sprint, whatever the case might be. So the first thing is to say, well, what function do I need filled? As opposed to everything, you need to find one thing. And in finding the one thing, you need to say, in terms of my business, in terms of what I need to make my business work, how I service my customers, how I buy my inputs, how I organize my business, what are the activities in that marketing function or in that procurement function or the operations function, the practical activities. And when you then employ against those activities, you get the resume in. And the first thing you can invest your time on is focus on whether there's a good fit, whether there's a chemistry, whether whether there's a, a matching of values, whether you have a similar culture view on how to behave around the world, around a team, the purpose and function of a business. You need to get those elements aligned. I mean, there's the Yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? I mean, you can teach the job if you've got the right person in the job. And the, the right person in the job isn't necessarily the person who is most qualified for that job. It's the person most qualified to look at your face every day and you to look at theirs. And, and who you're going to have a good um, alignment with. So, so you, you've got to get that fit right. But then, you know, Bruce, there are certain technical capabilities. That's what skills are that are needed to get a function done. And one of the best ways to interpret it is if you, for example, are looking for someone in operations and you know the five big activities that that individual would have to deliver, do as a job, then talk to the activities and ask about the activities and ask where they have performed the activities before and what they found hard and what they found easy and where they failed and what they learned. But if you're going to let your interviewing process be guided by the CV, then in truth, that candidate is in control. You're not. 
an absolutely critical part, of course, of the interview process is keeping that control, understanding who it is. And you may have a perfectly lovely individual sitting across the table from you, but they may be completely ill-suited to the enterprise, ill-suited to the business, ill-suited, I mean, perfectly suited to the task, perhaps, but ill-suited to what you're trying to create. Completely. And you know where you see this very often is especially in the sales function. You know, very often when someone says, are selling, you know, you can sell anything. He or she can sell ice to an Eskimo. Actually, that's not true. There is a big difference between someone who's good at selling a product and someone who's good at selling a service. So already, if you're in the service industry or the service sector, and you're employing someone who has sold a product before, don't listen to how they sold the product. Ask the questions about how they would sell the service in terms of how you have sold the service, so you can interpret that what their view says or is, does it correlate with your experience of selling a service? And the richness of that conversation creates the engagement to immediately get a sense of how capable this person is from a skill point of view, but importantly, how they would behave with your customers, how they would behave with you, how they would raise their hand and say, hey, I'm not sure I'm doing it right. I need to learn, as opposed to saying, "Okay, I can do it and create that expectation gap between you and them. I forget the man from King Price Insurance's name, but he's got a philosophy that if you arrive at King Price and they've made a mistake hiring you and you realize on day one that they've made a mistake, hiring, they pay your whole month's salary to go. Just like rather let's not waste each other's time. Here is money to go. Um, and I just wonder whether or not that solves some of the problems. Um, you know, and the only one person has ever accepted that particular payment because they've, they've got a very rigorous hiring process. But just in case they've made a mistake, pay people. Gilong Galloway, the chief executive at Mr. Price, Tikiso, my uh, producer, tells me, thank you, Tikiso, my brain on a Thursday night. <laughs> thank you, Pablo. I, I think it'd be a, a really good and useful idea. Pablo Fatini's Auric Business Accelerator on a Thursday.